uh, all right. <clears throat> so we're finally going to re- resume in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. Uh, once again, I am joined by Edgar. How you doing, man? Good. Yeah, I mean, um, so thanks for being a good sport, man. Um, I feel like a completely different person from when I came on uh, two weeks ago, now that the our field exercise is over with, and I just feel like I can talk dodgeball again, um, especially leading up to this point where we actually hit record. Um, I'm probably talking about an hour and a half of just all over the place, but um, trying to bring it back to the actual dodgeball um, aspect. Um, I know we kind of yeah. left off. We were talking about like training and people taking this very seriously. Um, you know, I name dropped uh, Ketchum, Isidro, Tina, myself, mm-hmm. um, just working out of this gym. Well, Isidro almost. Um, he, you know, he found out that World was canceled and just said, ask her it uh, another time. Um, just kind of, it's kind of funny. I was like, okay, man, like you're one of the best dodgeball players out there, and you know, um, you're inconvenienced with no for sure dodgeball next year. So, I mean, you might as well still stay in the gym. But uh, anyway, um, how how you been? How's how's the last two weeks uh, treated you? Good. Yeah, everything everything's been just been working. I've uh, moved into a a place upstate, so just moving out of uh, New York City bought a house upstate. So nice. gonna settle in there. That's been that's been a process. So now I'm just kind of holed up in my apartment and uh I got a table and an air mattress and a fish in a fish tank and that's about it in here. All right. That's all you need. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. all you need. When I when I a couple of beers and uh some tuna fish and you're good. You also got a uh we figured figured out or you figured out what that clanking noise was. So for those of you that are listening that came in from part one, um you'll be relieved to hear or not hear that noise anymore, which I guess was your, your, your Jack or your, your. It was my, yeah, it was, it was my uh, headphone Jack. And I think I started, I think that was, I'm sure that the a phone company, they want you to go with Bluetooth headphones. And I think they don't invest as much in the quality of the, the connection between the, the phone and the Jack. So that now you get that, something i mean maybe i had those headphones for a month or two and they start degradating and the connection is just not as clean and kind of forcing you into the 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 bluetooth headphone jack i was thinking that with the software updates kind of like you know you get these initial prompts of oh update to ios blah 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 and then you keep getting that update and i was getting that the other week and after about two weeks three weeks you you have forced compliance where you have to update. So they initially ask you, and eventually they just force you to update. So I, I think I think my phone was essentially telling me, okay, you have to get the Bluetooth headphones. But it's time for you to spend the money and upgrade. It's like that's a right. conspiracy. I, I've been victim to that before. I'm like, no, if I get this upgrade, my you know version five Android is gonna it's not gonna work anymore. I'm not falling for it, and I would hold it off for as long as I could, and then eventually. It would do that, and you know, three phones later, here I am. Yep, they're gonna get you. I I think the last at least three to four updates, I have not. I've always just said install later, update later, and then eventually I wake up and overnight it's updated because at some point they don't, they no longer ask, they force you to update. (laughs) It's ridiculous. 
Well, um, I, I can't help myself, man. I got to ask, uh, what's your favorite conspiracy theory out there? Oh boy. Favorite conspiracy theory. The JFK one, I'd say. Which is what? Well, you have the initial, um, so you have Lee Harvey Oswald is the, is the lone shooter. He was a communist sympathizer. So that's one. But then you have his connection to, um, you have Cuba and the Bay of Pigs situation where Cuba then, you know, funded Oswald. You have the mafia is another uh, component to that, that Kennedy was cracking down on the mafia and the mafia funded um, his assassination. And then you get into the whole could could Oswald have made all of those shots from where he was or were there other, you know, the how many shooters were there? Because right. a lot of people feel that there were more than one just based upon the trajectory of the bullets and where they landed. And then eyewitness testimony about, well, there was someone behind on the train tracks behind the grassy knoll. I think there's someone under here under this manhole cover. Then there was the, the shooter from the book depository building. So, I'd say the JFK is what I've spent the most time on. How about you? Oh man. Well, first of all, I, I, I was remember, I remember I was watching, um, documentaries on it. Cause I, some mini series came on with, uh, James Franco. I think it was called like 1120 something or whatever. Um, a couple of years ago on Amazon and, um, through some of the videos that I, that I watched, I think one of the things that, um, I thought was, neat was just that you know maybe it's just really hard for us to accept that some crack some crack job just killed our president um you know you like yeah. to think that they're not immortal but just you know they're they're they, they can't be killed and for us to as as a society it's like oh man our our president was just gunned down like there had to have been like a, a conspiracy it had to have been some kind of grander reason than just wrong place wrong time yeah uh, yeah so I, I always thought that that was kind of a unique take on it. Um, personally, my favorite conspiracy, um, man, I, I used to go deep, man. I used to think like lizard people were real. Like, uh, I, I was terrified of like the Illuminati and, um, I, I just, I, I feel like, uh, man, I shouldn't have done this to myself. I kind of just walked into this, didn't I? Um, aliens probably, I mean, they, they terrify me to, to no end, but, okay. um, it's weird. I was thinking about this. Uh, so I was in Sedona this past weekend and all kinds of weird stuff out there. Um, I, I just love to go out there and, and chill and relax and, and enjoy myself. And on the drive back, I was just rethinking what a crazy year this has been. Um, the government did legitimately admit to having recovered material from our um, craft made of material from out of this world. Like they just straight up admitted alien technology exists. Um and no one seems to care. And I was just thinking about that. Like, how is this not a big deal? Like it's November, uh, granted everything going on with the election, um, and everything just in 2020 in general. But like 10 years ago, I, I feel like we'd be freaking out right now if we'd found out about this. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Have you heard about that? I, I don't think that I've heard. No, specifically about what you're mentioning, but I do remember watching a, a good hour or two about that event, that UFO that, happened off the coast of San Diego and then they had the the Air Force pilot that was recounting exactly what had happened and they had yeah. video they had video from his his plane where you saw this thing 
kind of bounce around and just shoot off the screen. Yeah. I made, forget his name. Made no sense at all, but it was um naval pilot. Um he was on Joe Rogan like a year ago and he yes. gives like a much yeah. more in depth accounting of his story and like they wrote in Bob Lazar and I'm just like, oh man, like this is really crazy. But also the nine year old me is terrified, like what if this is real. And uh, I thought the craziest thing was um, they were saying that whatever whoever was piloting that craft like actively turned off the 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 radar. They they jammed it, so it was like an intentional like this this being knew it was being tracked by our probably compared to its technology, our primitive radar system, and just said, nah, I'm just gonna jam that crap and go about my business. And to me, that just says it's aware of our presence. Like it it knows we're here. It's not like um, you know, how we would study bugs, I guess. Like, yeah, it, it just, it blew my mind. And I'm just, I remember just, I, I got a long drive. It was like two hours, uh, from Sedona to, to Gilbert. So I'm just thinking about all kinds of stuff like that late at night. I'm going to drive home. Like, man, I feel like, um, that kind of slipped under the rug. Um, because I feel like that could have also, um, demystified, demystified some of these conspiracies where, you know, aliens have been covered up for years or they're, they're walking among us now or, or what have you. And so definitely not like my, my favorite because I, I like it, but just because I'm, I was so afraid of those things, uh, still am to this day, just terrified of them. And uh, I would just like to know if they're real or not. That way I can just move on with my life. But uh, we can't, that You can't get much bigger than aliens. And certainly the aliens are walking amongst us. That would be, you know, 1986 Roddy Piper and they live. It's like, that's the, uh, that's the biggest one. Mine is, Mine's a little smaller and just yeah. kind of, well, I don't know. Was it the Cubans? Was it the mafia? Was it LBJ wanted to uh, get Kennedy out of there to get out of Vietnam? But yeah, the aliens is the big one. Well, the, the, the crazy thing is like, let's say that we did make contact with them. Like, how would that change everything right now? Like, I know we, we kind of talked about politics for a little bit offline, but like, how would that change our priorities and how we see each other? Um, I don't want to get cheesy, but like Independence Day is a perfect example. You know, we yeah. put aside our differences. We're like, holy crap, let's uh, blow up these bad guys. We'll ally together as a world force. And, um, you know, maybe fighting over oil isn't such a big deal anymore because there's other stuff out there that could really, really mess us up. Um, that's one way to look at it. The other way is just like, man, what what else is out there that we're, that we're just missing? And um, those episodes are so fun to, to, listen to and the way um bob lazar talks about like how their propulsion system works and how that was validated um now when he made this interview happen like 30 years ago um mm-hmm. we're definitely not not talking about dodgeball so if you're if you're listening still haven't checked out um if you're curious i would i would <laughs> youtube bob lazar and uh good luck you have fun but uh that might be a, a good cue to to get a dodgeball so um Man. It yeah that, that, that one's on me so i think the tally was like i think i was at like 19 last episode so that's 20 now. Oh, rabbit rabbit holes rabbit holes yeah what's what's the all-time record oh uh, i think we blew right past that um okay yes I think, I think deanna had a couple but i mean that's that's child's play compared to part one of this two part that was my goal i just wanted to i wanted to surpass her on rabbit holes it's it's not hard um yeah, no, I, I I will get me into some rabbit holes easily. Um, if it happens, great. If not, then you know maybe maybe the podcast is just us going down rabbit holes, and then that's that's the rest of the season. 
Yeah. Well, in fairness to us, if there's no dodgeball to talk about, then you got to have rabbit holes. Yeah, I feel like dodgeball is kind of like the the like the, the the handrail, and we're just going down, you know, a mine shaft of just whatever comes up. So let's uh let's take it back to dodgeball, and um, dodgeball. let me hit you with one of the like the the tough four questions. Um, I'm ready. Man, I'm I'm staring at where do you think dodgeball will go? <laughs> so that's perfect. Let's yeah. uh let's pretend oh let's pretend 2021 magically, you know, a date change means everything's back to normal. Um and and we're we're back to what we what we left off in 2019. Um where mm-hmm. where do you see dodgeball going? Um do you see it taking off being professional level, people getting paid for it? Like where where do you think we're going with this? I don't think so as it stands now. I don't see that happening. I think there's so much competition with Um, On the internet, other sports popping up. I don't see dodgeball jumping into the mainstream. Um, I suppose, I mean, it could become an Olympic sport, but um, I, I don't know that it would go much beyond that, given where it is now. I think it could be, I mean, I think it could be, I think the sport itself has enough, enough to it that it could go further, but then you have to, I mean, there's so many things that go into that of marketing it differently. You know, how do you, you know, how do you televise it? I mean, was it, was it, uh, we were talking the last time about the, the NFL, right. In the eighties of how they figured out of who, who to focus on. With yeah, the camera turn into like a narrative yeah. with the with the story yeah it's like there's so many small things like that that go into making a sport big and mainstream and even the sports that have been mainstream even something like baseball you know how much of a market share does it have in the ratings now compared to where it did i mean it's dropped off so much it used to be the main sport in america and now it's i mean i'm i'm sure even on, on certain days you know, whether it's soccer, motocross, pass it on, on any given day. So because baseball sucks. Like I said what I did. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, baseball, yeah, it's very slow, but I mean that, but when you go to a live baseball game, that's, you can't really, everything looks like a fastball when you're up in the, in the bleat, you can't tell what a curveball looks like. It's you're looking at the camera and you're looking at the replay. And I think that's one big thing that, the dodgeball, like look at all of the footage that we watch of dodgeball and it's somebody's GoPro. So you would need, you have a sport where you don't have masks. Everyone's face is available. You would need to have, you know, different camera angles where you have the slow-mos of the big shot or the big catch or the big dodge. And you get to become more familiar with the players. I mean, I think that's, that would be a big selling point for dodgeball. And I mean, it could all be online at this point. It's not going to be on, doesn't need to be on TV per se, but just an online with just a a higher production value would be a big, a big thing. And then I do think that I do think the ball type thing is it's not as important as the, the product in terms of the cameras, but, or the production value, you know, whether that's a, a uniform court and, and, or cameras, but, I think it'd be confusing because people are like, well, I just saw, 
four different types of balls, what, which one is the real one or which one is the highest level sport. So I, th I think that becomes confusing um, as well. But I think that's secondary to if someone sees something that's interesting and it's the production value is high, it would interest them. And I think the sport itself um, is interesting enough to, to have that. But I just don't think it's, I don't think it's there yet with the production value, I think is the main thing, holding it back. And then after that, it would probably be ball type and you're settling on what is the sport? Like what makes this, you know, we, we'd kind of touched on this the last time. What do you think is the most valuable aspect of, of this thing going? Do right. you think it's just whatever gets the most views and that's how we're going to go about what ball type, ball type to choose or, or is it something else? So I just had this like, not, not any, any epiphany because it's kind of a horrifying thought, but like, what if, um, cause you're saying like, I'm, I'm thinking like the narrative, like you, you said, like, think about the player. Why should people give a crap about this tall dude? That's Andrew, Andrew Ketchum. And like Facebook kind of helps, but uh, I, the the thought I had was like TikTok, um, quick, and this this goes against everything I believe in, especially on a long form podcast. But like quick, like watch this guy murder this other dude, see how hard he throws, and then just see if those couple of seconds can turn into a really cool play. Like watch this really awesome matchup, watch this cool shootout that just happened. Um, maybe that goes viral and it starts to develop a following for that player and they start to see, Oh, okay. I can actually watch his game live streams yeah. on Twitch or live streams on mad city or, and then you start getting an audience that you justify buying cameras. Um, cause the, cause the way, the way Ed did this, um, with the professional league in 2006 was he bought or rented thousands of dollars worth of high production equipment and I think he focused on the product first and not the audience. Like he just thought maybe I'll, I'll, I'll film this as best as I can with what I know about sports. Um, it's terrible by the way, but, uh, and then I'll, I'll pitch it to like a network, but I don't think that works anymore. I, th I feel like it's more of like a, some clip has to go viral, but it has to have that consistency. Like you can see, you can watch the Vince Marchbanks backwards spin throw on Tiny mm -hmm. Kaiser forever, but there's no like, other than, you know, some clips on MTV and YouTube, I, I don't think there really has been much that the dodgeball community can capitalize on that. And I, I feel like, as much as I hate TikTok, I, I feel like that might be the the route to go now. Um, excuse me while I create a TikTok account and start <laughs> throwing money at that. <laughs> yeah, but, it'd be whatever gets whatever gets views, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the most exposure that dodgeballs had, wouldn't it be the UDC stuff on ESPN? Well, and that's the thing is like, who's watching that at, well, I mean, when did it air? Did it have like a primetime slot? Um, no, I, it, I don't think it could have. So I'm when sure I, it was one of those, Yeah, you know, when two I think, in the afternoon or two in the morning or something. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, or a repeat on an off peak, you know, Sunday, maybe, um, I was thinking about when, um, we had Gage Young on here. And he had said that he was just watching YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video when he lived like in Maine or like New Hampshire. And it just so happened he moved to Phoenix and he knew exactly where to go to get involved. So that, I mean, obviously it's one person, it's one, 
one example probably doesn't re represent everybody, but I mean, this kid saw us on YouTube, not, not, not ESPN that I, that I'm aware of. I might have to replay that part, but you got to go where like, like, who are we trying to target? Are we trying to target, you know, people that still sit down and own cable TV and, and watch ESPN? Or are we trying to attack people on the phone? You know what I mean? Like that, that's kind of, that's kind of why I went to, to TikTok. Cause I think that's where the kids are these days. Like maybe it's not yeah, so much it would be, uh, Facebook anymore. It would be whoever would watch wherever you can get eyeballs and, and it would not be on cable it old fashioned, you know, TV screen. It would be on, yeah, your phone on their mobiles and it'd be a worldwide thing, you know, getting eyeballs from all over Yeah, various countries. We need to follow, I need to stalk Elijah Hashimoto for a little bit and just be like, all right, kid, how do you, how, how do you function? <laughs> What's your day to day? Where, where do you, where do you consume your content and, and via yeah. what medium and, and how long of an, uh, of an attention span do you have? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and I don't want to rag on them, but, um, kind of to our point earlier, like I, I had a, um, a realization where, you know, we talked about Isidro getting ready to start training with, you know, catch him the same trainer and then realizing, well, you know what? Worlds isn't happening in two years. I'm out. Like that drive isn't there for a lot of people. I don't think. Right. Like, I, I think, um, there's still there, there's more than there used to be, but I still feel like there's few people that are seriously training right now or putting the work in to get better just at dodgeball. Um, kind of wanted to bring that right because it's still it's still a hobby for yeah, most exactly. people. It's not you're not getting paid to do it. So for Cedro, what is the you know he's already been at the highest level of the dodgeball with the world several times now. So what? Is, is he getting paid for that? No. So what's the point? Yeah. You know, where's the incentive? And, you know, until there's money in dodgeball, you know, there's, you're going to get a lot more of that. And that's at the, you know, that's one of, one of the better players. So imagine, you know, the number of people that haven't even set foot in a gym, nor thrown a ball, nor will by the night, but they'll just step on the court the next time and expect to play. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that's, you know, you know, fair on them. That's just where the sport is right now. But I mean, that kind of just goes to show that it's, it's much more of a hobby than, than where it ultimately we, where we want it to be. Yeah. And that's, uh, thanks for kind of bringing that out. Cause that's where I was going. Like, I'm not trying to pick on a seizure by any means. I mean, just like you said, one of the best players out there already got a gold medal. I mean, if, if what else is there for him to do? at this point. Right. Right. So, um, and it's not paying his bills. I mean, so if he's, yeah. so if, if he's already been at that level several times, what's, you know, that's where his interest lies. What's gonna, what's the incentive for him to show up and play if there's not going to be dodgeball for another year. So, yeah, he kind of, kind of made a statement with that, whether he intended to or not, but, uh, I like to overthink everything. So it worked out for me. <laughs> what, um, so, I mean, what do you want to achieve in dodgeball? I mean, let's kind of throw it back on you. So, I mean, are you, are you thinking play until the wheels fall off or do you have like a, a finite goal that once you hit, you're done? Or, I mean, what, what keeps you going? No, no finite goal. It's just to compete. And I think as long as I can compete, yeah, it'd be kind of the Joe Colella. Um, I would compete until... I guess I'd say that I, I can't compete at a level that I'm satisfied with. So, um, 
you know, winning is certainly nice and, and I'd, I'd like to grow with certain players and, uh, and win. Um, but the main thing is competing and just testing myself with, okay, this is, you know, this is what I was doing when I started. This is what I'm doing now. I've shored up this, you know, this weakness. And, um, and, and I think because it's, it is a hobby for all of us at this point, we're not getting paid to do it. Um, you, you know, everyone has their own motivating factor. So for me, it's always been just to test myself and whether it was with dodgeball or, you know, I'm a pretty active guy. So whether it's, whether it was boxing or, or football or basketball, it's always just to improve and, and test myself and see where my weaknesses are and, and how much I can improve if I, you know, put effort into it and study it. Yeah. I think you're, you're saying, um, you know, in, in part one, you're kind of discussing like your competitive nature, all the sports mm -hmm. that you played. Um, so it just makes sense. Like there's no, there's no end state. It's just when you can't compete anymore. But the good news is you gave me a great idea from last episode for the silver sneakers league. So I wasn't really sure what to call it. I was going to call it like the ARP league, but, uh, for, for those of us that, you know, are, are pushing, we'll say 45 and above or yeah. when there's more Hashimoto's out there and, and less people like me where I will just get killed if I go out there. Um, right. that might be when it's time to, to start the, uh, the silver league. But, um, well, I think that, I mean, I think that and then exactly to, uh, you know, how long will you play for It's Like until I get forced into the silver sneakers league. Yeah. I'll like that. Would, that would be great. You know, that if dodgeball gets good enough to where it's like, Oh yeah, you can't even, you can't be on this court yeah. you know, with these guys. You need to be in the seniors leagues. Like, okay. Time. I think just play until you're forced into that position. Time but, to go out to pasture, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. And it's fun too. It's fun seeing, uh, you know, those moments of, I'm not sure if you have this where you're like, huh, this is interesting because I'm several years older than I was then, but I'm doing this better than I ever did. And it, and not that I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, but you know, sometimes you're wondering, you know, when is the, when are, when are the wheels going to fall off or when will I not be able to do what I used to be able to do? And what will that be? Will it be, you just can't throw hard anymore or you can't play two divisions during the day? Or is it, you just, you're, you're slow to make the catches cause you can't catch the fastball anymore. It's like, what is it in dodgeball? So I'm kind of curious to see what that is as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something I think about often. Um, it's funny because I know what's that. I know every time Justin and I practice, uh, it's like, if I, you know, he, I mean, he's particular about it, but he'll, uh, if I ever have a bad practice, he'll be like, Oh, I think this is it for you. You kind of get a bad, <laughs> you had a bad day today. You're just not catching up to the, the fastball anymore. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm laughing because I've, I've heard that before myself for, for years. Uh, I, I just, I was thinking of, um, Oh man, what was it? I just, just had that thought too. Um, what Tillman was saying in season two, the first episode where he, he talked about as you get older, you, you become more intentional with your, with your energy, so to speak, you become more focused. So, yeah, you may not be flailing around like a lunatic, like uh, like Gage would be throwing himself in the air and you know hitting the court, um, 
hard as crap. You're taking better care of yourself. So you're just more deliberate in what you do. And so he said he kind of had like this, uh, this like second coming that he got in his like I don't, mid to late thirties where he just was still a contender at the time, but just not as, as wild as he used to be when he first started playing back in the day. So, um, when you're kind of making that comment of like, I'm still better, but in what way, like, I feel like that's when that finally goes away and you're just like, no, I'm just complete garbage and I've got no, no hope of returning. Then, yeah. then that's my off ramp to, uh, you know, start the, the elderly league. <laughs> I remember one of the big changes was, uh, nutrition. Like I started changing, preparing supplements and stuff throughout the day. Cause I remember going, when I first started playing with Gotham, I forget what I would have, but I think it was like everyone, I would just have the curly fries at the, Oh no, no, you know, whatever was offered. <laughs> it was just awful, awful yeah. nutrition. And I would feel complete, like complete garbage by the time that co-ed started. And then when I just started being a little bit more mindful about what I'm consuming and then, you know, time releasing it throughout the day so that every couple of hours I'm having a certain amount of protein or sugar and just feel like, man, I feel great. Yep. I feel absolutely great. So how much of it, you know, I could have easily gone down the rabbit hole of thinking, oh man, I guess, I don't know. I'm just getting older and just, you know, can't do it anymore. But then just changing something like your hydration and nutrition and being more mindful about it thinking, oh no, actually that was, that was what I was putting in my body, not my age, but at some point age will become a factor too for all of us. Yep. The dark is coming for us all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was, I was thinking about that too. Cause like definitely my, my habits have changed a lot. Um, trying to eat cleaner, trying to, uh, I mean, at no point will I ever think that this McDonald's chicken sandwich is going to fuel me through a tournament ever again. That dropped off years ago. And, um, but working out, you know, going back to that gym, um, it's not all for dodgeball anymore. It's, uh, you know, that trainer there is, is phenomenal. Um, I, I'm, I'm amazed at what I can do at my age now, um, just in general. So that will always be there, but to have that kind of self-preservation or self-care and then also, you know, getting enough sleep, making sure that you're eating good food, um, probably buys you a lot more time than you would have thought. And it's unfortunately it's only a matter of time until the kids pick up on that and they become even sharper and scarier. So that's kind of like our, I feel like that's our, the secret that we have as, as mature folk is like, okay, we, we know to, you know, just be a little more deliberate in our actions, be careful with what we eat. And we can squeeze out a couple more years of playtime before uh, the youngins pick up on Youth it. Youth is wasted on the young. Exactly. Yep. I remember watching even uh, LeBron when, you know, LeBron is, what is he, 37 now, 38? And just how he's staved off injury. And you know, obviously, I mean, he's hundred, worth hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars. And the amount of money and science that goes into this guy and keeping him on the court for any number of reasons and how much time he puts into his, you know, his, his brand and his body. But just watching, I was watching just the last couple years of, he clearly had been working with some sort of somebody in biomechanics about how he lands after dunks to take off pressure off of his ankles and knees. And now if you watch when he lands after dunks, it's always like a little two-step 
He never lands with the double, like the thudding double foot slam onto the floor. It's always like he does a little tippy toe as soon as he lands. He dunks it and just both of his feet land on the court. So clearly, you know, he was talking to somebody to say, just do this. I mean, if you add up the number of dunks and layups and landings you would have over the course of a season, over the course of the next five years, you want you can get another two seasons of playing if you start landing like this because it's taking X amount of pressure out of your ankles and knees every time you land. That's crazy. So I, was I think it's you know, all the refinement that you that you put into, you know, it's like we, we are doing this for a hobby, but we're, we care enough about it, like just trying to find out how do I, how do I maximize what I have to my, my approach to this whole thing to do what I can do at the best that I can do it for as long as I can do it. And that's kind of what interests me. Yeah. No, I was laughing at um, the way he said um, he's 37. So he's like my age and he's like the science that's going into keeping this guy in the court. I'm like, okay, geez. Like, such a... <laughs> it's like that meme. Uh, I don't know if we quoted it last, last time, but it was, um, it, it's like Adrian Peterson like scored a touchdown and they're like, Oh man, there goes, you know, Adrian Peterson, he's 36 years old. And you know, it's nothing short of a, a medical miracle to be out there in the field. I'm like, man, I'm older than that guy. <laughs> like, ouch. <laughs> but, uh, it's true. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of Tom Brady is like 43 years old. And, um, I, I remember a couple years ago, I was just like, you know, Googling him and just realizing, um, I think, no, actually it was a football game. They're just throwing out some random stats talking about like how he just eats the best food, the cleanest food. He's got trainers and like, he's just really, you know, squeezing out every last um, game he can. Cause it's all about that maintenance and preventative maintenance now. So it's, it's weird. And his, I mean, his, he's obviously, I mean, who else is in the argument with him about best quarterback of all time? I mean, he's pretty much it, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I can't he's say past the, the Marinos and I mean, I guess, then the next tier would be Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Peyton Mannings, and John Elways, and Joe Montana's, and Dan Marino's. But it's like I remember when he was years ago having he had the ACL surgery or something, and then it had it had gotten infected, and he had to rehab it again, and it kept it was like the perfect exit for him. But his drive to want to keep playing superseded everything. So I think you know far beyond you know, what someone physically can put into it is, is just the want. I mean, yeah, if Joe Colella decides that he's just going to, he wants to keep playing it. If he gets an injury and he gets a, a tear here or a tear there and he's like, no, I'm not done. I want to keep playing. He's going to find a way to keep playing. And it's just that whatever motivates people to keep going. Yeah. So as long as that's there, you'll figure out the other stuff, how to, how to get, how get, how to get on the court at whatever capacity that and a, a good healthcare um, plan probably, probably goes a long <laughs> way too. Sure um, does. Yeah. I was watching uh, the Joe Theismann injury. I don't know. Ugh. I don't know where I, I think I saw like the opening of the blind side and it was just in the back of my mind. Like, uh, I'm going to YouTube that a little bit more. I'm feeling pretty like masochistic right now. And just, I want to see something just really bad. That's going to gross me out. And then uh, I saw that. And I was like, Oh my God, that was gnarly. I mean, this is definitely taking a dark turn, but like that's, 
granted something like that, you know, I, I, cause I guess he never came back. Like he was done. That, that ended his career and he was, he was done. Yeah. Um, the Lawrence Taylor sack or whatever. Yeah. Poor, um, poor Lawrence Taylor. He can, you can tell that guy was, uh, he knew right away. He, he, Joe was, was hurt and he was like frantically waving for help. Um, shows a lot of good sportsmanship on his end, but, um, yikes. Um, so pending something catastrophic like that, I mean, imagine you could probably be playing well into, you know, your, your mid forties. I mean, Tim is what, four thirty nine, forty. 40. It's getting close. What's the, what's the, who's the oldest person that's played at a consistent level? Uh, most people will say me cause they're jerks, but, um, okay. I would say, uh, I don't know. I, I don't I'll say I've been playing since 2004. So, um, but on a, because I remember Alan Thomas's dad played at Boston nationals, but that was kind of a, he showed up and played on a team just to play. So, but I know he, he was out there playing. He was, you know, playing as, as best he could, you know, throwing, catching and all that jazz. So he would have been the oldest, but I wonder about at a consistent level where that person's on a team playing each round, playing at nationals was the oldest. I would say probably uh, be upper thirties, right? Maybe Rob hometown. Cause I mean, I'm thinking class of 2005. And what I mean by that is like when the NDL came to town and people were traveling to play on a national level. Yes. It was a joke back then, but at the time it was at its peak. And so, you know, 2006 enter surge and, um, Tim and Jim. So I, I want to go back to Tim, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I was there, but I wasn't nearly on Rise's level or Tim's level. So I think in terms of being consistently great and always being in the top three, it's gotta be Tim easily. Tim. How old is Tim? Oh man. Um, seven thirty-eight. I think, I think he might've broke 40. Okay. So and he's done on social media, right? You have to message him. Yeah. I can't, I can't creep on his Facebook right now and, just send a random text. Hey dude, how old are you? I haven't talked to you in like six months, but, uh, I need this answered right now. <laughs> but I, I would think, uh, most people would, would probably agree with me. It, it, it's gotta be Tim for sure. How old is Joe Colella? Um, I'm going to guess 39. Okay. I think he's, he's up there as well. Let's see if I can. Oh, uh, you know, I don't have Facebook open because I don't want that notification message. So Maybe we'll find somebody, out. Somebody, yeah, somebody. That's a Sergio Leon. He he could have told me like right now, probably if he was listening. But um, yeah, I wonder. Like, um, and it's funny because when you mentioned um, LeBron altering the way he lands, I mean, how many people, how many times do you you know try to hurdle over you know balls thrown at your legs and you land and I, I just wonder now like man did that impact just cost me 10 minutes of a game in the future and is it just winding down over time so i i feel like though that, that if you if you take it seriously enough you start to you start to pick up like if you i don't know if you've ever done this but you looked at how you've thrown or how you the moves that you would do years ago and you're like, Oh, I don't do that anymore. I remember when I would do that. I remember Vince, um, I don't know if it was on your podcast or one of the ones he had done with Mark, but he was mentioning he doesn't knee drop anymore. He drops on his butt and he had mentioned, I think because the knees hurt when he would drop. So he, you know, went to the butt drop. So hmm. like the natural evolution, a lot of that comes from necessity where you're like, no, nah, that's bothering me. I need to 
switch the way I throw or land or that first or second move is just not working. I have to come up with something different to stay out there. Yeah, that's good. That's interesting because I, I, I mean, shoot, the last time I played was forever ago. So the, um, I think I just spend more time in the queue. Honestly, I think that's probably what's keeping me alive for so long. <laughs> it's just getting out so easily. Uh, I mean, I, I've still done some weird stuff where like I'll do not the splits, but like, you know, I'll, I'll drop and I'll shoot a leg out to try to stabilize myself and get a catch or dodge under a ball. And I'll think, okay, I clearly tore something. I'm in shock. I don't feel anything, but there's no way I could have pulled that off. And uh, I get back up, like nothing happened. I'm like, well, thank God. Um, What's been the biggest um, changes do, have you um, since you've started playing? Where what were the few of the major changes you made to your game where you were thinking, "Nah, I gotta that sucks. That's not working. I gotta change that completely." Can you think of anything? Um, I think the only change I try to make is I stop reaching because I notice I'll survive a lot more if I don't jump and I stop reaching for for balls. So it's not like you know, hitting the ground, um, or diving is a, is a change. Um, that's a good question because I, I have no idea. I mean, you probably won't. Do you have a cue when you say to stop reaching? Do you have a, okay, I keep my hands in this position and that prevents me from reaching outside of my body or. Um, it's, it's gotta be like, unfortunately I have to, I have to really think about do not freaking reach. Um, and it's hilarious because I, I'll still do it in rec league and you'll see me go up for a ball that I have no business going for and I'll get out in the most stupid fashion and somehow everybody always sees it. So it's like, dang it, man, like, you know, better than this. But, um, yeah, I, I guess if I'm like really thinking about it, just like, I try to imagine like, like I'm, I'm wearing resistance bands, like from like across my chest and I can't, I have no business having my hands go outside, you know, this like, tiny little radius if that makes any sense at all yeah um or try to get small but um i think like the only thing i really changed was like i, I try not to double block ever i like dislocated my thumb a long time ago i remember i was like holding a um an 8.5 ball in my left hand and um playing open and somebody threw i mean i tried to block it instinctively and i felt like i read just read dislocated my thumb on my left hand i was like well that was dumb like there's no need for me to do that so i think i just uh I don't know. Yeah, I have to. I have to think about that next time I'm actually playing. Um, have you Have you changed anything? Um, yeah, I used to too? throw a sidearm, and and that changed. So when I was on Gotham and then and even Arkham, I I was still a sidearm thrower, and just you know getting used to. I had no concept of the clamp and. Uh, and how to get an overhand throw, but just being left vulnerable with the sidearm where, you know, that, that trail leg would follow through and just getting hit with enough, you know, starting to play the better teams. Like they would just pick up on that and just throw an easy counter after that. I was like, Jesus, I gotta, I'm just completely out in the open here. So yeah. that was the biggest thing was changing my throw to an overhand throw, but that took a long time to figure out, you know, I, I grew up throwing a football, so that was completely different because you lead with the elbow when you throw a football versus the dodgeball serves you better to kind of load like a, a pitcher, a baseball pitcher. So uh, 
I was, I was just, my mechanics were a mess for a while and it just took a long time to figure that out. Mm. So I was just where to put the, where to put the weight on your legs, how to grip the ball with the, a clamp or open hand grip and then how to, how to release it. So you're not sailing it to the rafters or bouncing it into the ground. So that took a lot longer than I, I thought, but that would be the biggest thing was that from the sidearm to the overhand throw and then just not standing. Um, you know, I think I got used to the rec league thing of, Oh, there are 45 people on the court. So I'm just going to stand here and then getting into a tournament. It was like, I'm just going to stand here is, you know, this person throws you know, 60 miles an hour is going to beam it at my head. Yeah, it's like understand. being a little bit more agile to start versus just thinking, I, I guess I'll try to catch it. And if it doesn't happen, then uh, that's that. So, yeah. yeah those are the two be, biggies for me. You definitely don't want to be standing there if uh, Pine's coming after you. Just in the off chance. You yeah. And, face you know, the catch is a low percentage play, but you're also, you're making it easier for them. It's like make, just you know, work a little bit. Make make them work for the out. Yeah, I think um, one thing I don't do anymore is pinch like that. The last time I tried pinching was uh, 2013 for a, a tournament that Mark had, um, and I threw one pinch, and that that just I I just felt like fire in my arm. I was like I've thrown for years, and I've never felt that pain before. I was like I will not do that ever again. So that's one thing I stopped doing. That, that probably saved me from you know tearing um, a labrum or whatever the common injury is right now. Um, so just the, like the reckless stuff, I don't, I don't, if like like pinch, period, won't play that crap. Like that's just asking for a bad time at this point for me. So there's that. What's the what's the most common through the years from NDL through Elite? The most common dodgeball injury you've seen? Is there any? Broken fingers, easily. Fingers, okay. Yeah. Fingers are just destroyed. Like I've got definitely gnarled witch hands right now. Like I'm just gonna scare children when I'm older. I'm like, hey, kids, like this is my good hand. Um, they're just, they're, they're, you can tell I've been, they've been broken a few times. So I just wonder, okay. what's arthritis gonna feel like when I'm 80 and it's cold outside? Luckily, you've in Arizona, so you don't have to deal with. And that's I guess why I will stay here nights, forever. Cold mornings, right, in the desert. Yeah, but I'm. I'm asleep during that time, so I'll be all right. Okay. <laughs> I um. Yeah, I I spent some time in, in um, oh man, Columbus, uh, South Carolina for Army Basic at thirty, and I felt the weather like I've I've never been, the most cold and most miserable in my entire life, and I thought, oh my god, this is what thirty feels like. Um, little did I know that that was just you know the 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 water pressure, the cold air. And, um, just the environment. So when I went back to Arizona, I felt young again. I was like, I will never leave the desert. Like this is where I live because it's so much better than being cold. And I could feel like my bones just hurting. Like I've never felt that old before. And, uh, that was seven years ago. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay here forever. Um, I don't know how you guys do it. Arizona born and bred, huh? Yeah. That's, it keeps me young ish, but, um, yeah, I've certainly seen, I would say that. I think the most common is I've seen the broken fingers and I've seen people's knees. They do something where they sublux their knee, but the the one that gives me the most, that seems the most random to me. Cause like, I understand the ball hits your finger and it, you know, you know, takes it in a different direction, but is 
is the seemingly random nature of when you see someone throw and they just hold their arm and you can see their they just felt something in their arm go. Right. I feel like that's the one that I pay the most attention to because I'm thinking, huh, I've seen that person throw thousands of times. What happened on that one throw? Right. It's like when you you know see MLB pitchers, they've been throwing since they were how how old and all of a sudden they just kind of they felt something go in their elbow and that's you know that's that so that one scares me the most is and and i've seen that probably more than broken fingers and 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 knees is when someone just grabs their even if it ends up not being a tear a torn labrum or rotator cuff tear but whatever that mystery thing is we're jolts just went through their arm after they threw <laughs> that that was my fear when i when i pinched like like i felt like my arm was on fire from the elbow and i was like did i just take myself out of the dodgeball forever for a stupid pinch tournament i'm so mad right now <laughs> like i was freaking out um thankfully uh I was, I was fine after that um it was like december didn't play dodgeball for oh, i actually went to basic training the month, like almost two weeks after the fact. So I think it was okay. Um, but yeah, that, that's a scary one. And then, um, I think ACL tears are, are happening a little more frequently. Um, I remember in 2008, this one dude, um, was playing, they were doing the last man standing his one V one and he just charged and he looked like he stepped over the line on accident and just kind of crumbled and just went down and he ended up tearing his ACL. And I was like, what how did that happen like you you wouldn't expect to see an injury that gnarly in dodgeball you think football is where that that's generally at and um you know what's his face um the kid from space cadets adam demir like he he just had his return from recovering from that so i mean hopefully we don't see more of that but um yeah I, i remember seeing one guy break his arm from throwing stingers um guy was throwing just heat like i that guy was probably the most scariest I've ever seen um, in terms of throwing a stinger. He's just like wailing on people. And then um, he's young too. And he, I just remember he was throwing and you just hear a snap and he just grabs his arm and his arm is like pretty much just broken from the elbow from throwing. <laughs> like I, I, I think that was the gnarliest thing I've ever seen, heard, been a part of. And uh, that was bad, but those stingers were, were, were pretty terrible anyway. So, I mean, I feel like with those being removed and people understanding that foam is basically punching the air, I feel like we won't see that ever happen again, hopefully. Um, cause that kid was like just whipping him, like just no, no regard for his body at all. And so I see that with Brandon cook throwing sometimes I'm like, well, he's got like Gumby arms, so I guess he can get away with it. But, uh, I wonder, man. I wonder if some of these kids, their their form is just like, Ugh, all right, you can get away with it now. Just be careful. Yeah, I mean, what is the? Um, I know with um, pitchers, MLB pitchers, when they, you know, how many, what percentage have UCL tears or Tommy John tears? It's, I mean, it's through the roof, yeah. and they say it's the the pitcher is within if the human elbow can withstand whatever it is, twenty eight pounds of pressure per square inch every pitch the mlb pitcher is at 28 pounds of pressure per square inch in their elbow so it's just a matter of time before their elbow goes and 
that's why almost every MLB pitcher will have, I mean, you know, shoulder and elbow issues. So, yeah, I feel like it's a matter of time. It's interesting too with the ball types because, it, you know, with a foam ball, you're still throwing, even though the ball doesn't weigh as much, you're putting as much a whip into your arm. You know, so it's it's interesting. I'd be interested to see the the difference in how between the cloth, the no sting, the foam, and the eight point five ball affects people's arms. Yeah, that's you know, uh, the weight of the ball, but also the grip and how much velocity and how they throw it differently. I was gonna say, you know, talked about earlier, like where do we see dodgeball in the future? That's that's probably something we won't even see for for years, as as people doing studies on these and looking back, like, okay, first of all, those idiots didn't wear helmets. How dumb were they back then? <laughs> to uh, my God, the wear and tear on the shoulders was, uh, you know, something that the body's not used to, unless you're, like you said, a pitcher. My little brother actually had Tommy John surgery, so he was he played Division Two. Sorry, Mark, if you're listening, Division Two. Um, baseball and then he played um professional baseball um down in mexico for for a while um post um tommy john surgery but um he'd been throwing his, his whole life i mean from little league all the way up to high school to college and so it's only a matter of time before that happened to him and uh obviously not comparing the two but i'm, I'm looking at myself like i've been chucking dodgeball since you know i was since 2004 and thankfully i can still do it but you know i always think about like what rob said like he's just grateful to be able to take the court one more mm-hmm. time and so for me it's it's just like that it's like man really appreciate this open gym session or glad i got to be in this tournament because i don't know if, when the next one's going to be it, it could be next week it could be ne- you know, next month next year don't know yeah i'm just grateful to to be able to to still be out there so i had heard um that with pitchers that it's much more it's because of the breaking balls that, that put all the strain on the elbow. Like right. if you take a curveball and you're snapping every time you're, it's a, it's a wrist flick, but it's also a snapping of the elbow versus if you just threw straight fastballs, you're much better off. Um, it was like, do you remember when, you know, Bartolo Colon's second, you know, whatever he was with the Mets where he's just, all he was throwing was fastballs and he was fine. It's like he didn't, he had, he had, perfect, I forget if it was the two, the two seam fastball where it would cut in and he just, that's all he threw. And, you know, it's kind of like Moe's fastball, Mariano Rivera's fastball. You just, you knew it was coming, but it moved. So good luck hitting a 94 mile an hour fastball that moves. Yeah. That's, it's enough of a um, yeah. challenge in itself. So with the dodgeball, if it's, well, which ball do you have to, you know, flick and manipulate and, you know, get some, some English on it would probably cause the most damage versus just a pure fastball. But well, I remember like, cause I, I played little league too for a little bit, um, pitched for a while. I was definitely not as good as my little brother was. Um, but I was always told, don't worry about curveballs. Like you're too young. You're going to mess up your arm. And yeah. so if you're, if you're yeah. being told that as a kid and you do that, you're anyway, you're not supposed to, you're kind of setting yourself up for that, that injury down, down the road. And that's yeah, so like you said, I mean, we're, I want to say we evolved to be throwing stuff. I mean, that, that's pretty much what we've been doing since the caveman days, but I don't think we're throwing, you know, curveballs, you know, at, right. at these animals. Yeah, you're kill. <laughs> putting the drop on the rock to hit the antelope. <laughs> you're just throwing a fastball. Yeah, unless you, uh, you're a superstar then. Good for you, I guess. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> spear goes forward. That That's about all there is to it. You're not uh, – I'm just picturing trick shots now with uh, 
like slingshots and stuff, but so, uh, oh man. <laughs> well, back to dodgeball. I mean, we, we didn't really, that, that was good. I, I think we stayed on, on, on topic there. Um, I just yeah. like how we have to go into like mortality and you know, what does the end look like? And sets me up for this next question. It's my, it's becoming yeah. my favorite, um, for reasons I have yet to figure out, but what does life look like after dodgeball for you? Um, let's, let's assume that's still quite a ways away. Um, you know, when, when you finally, you know, when you're done playing, when you know, like, you know, this is it, I'm done. I'm walking away. I mean, what, what do you do after that? What's that look like? Um, I, well, I'll stick to the, the, the gap that dodgeball occupies in my life. So it would be, I mean, I would be doing all the normal stuff that I do, but for sports, I definitely, it's a, it's a big part of my life working out. So that wouldn't stop. Um, dodgeball replaced boxing because it was, it was slightly less damaging kind of, as I had mentioned the last, the last podcast. So it would be, you know, whatever goes on me, whether it's, Oh, I can't, my lower back can't take it or my throwing arm just isn't, isn't there anymore. So it would be something that's not quite as, uh, as difficult as dodgeball or as physical. Um, what I really want to get into is uh, I'd heard great things about ice hockey and I just uh, bought a house upstate, upstate New York near Canada and ice hockey is huge up there. So I have a feeling I'm going to be getting into um, probably, I mean, relatively soon, actually, probably as I'm doing dodgeball ice hockey, because it's hmm. right now I really like physical aggressive things and ice hockey is supposed to be very fast and very physical. So I think I'm going to be getting into that. Um, so I don't think that'll replace dodgeball, but that's going to be the next thing I get into. Um and then after dodgeball, what's what's a scaled down version of what dodgeball would be? I don't know. It might be. You know what I was really enjoying was um, I had kind of gotten into the Spartan races. Have you ever gotten into those? No, I've been wanting to. Um, they they do look like fun. I had done uh, I had done some marathons, and uh, and then from there it had gotten into some Spartan races. And I had done the one on Killington, which was incredibly difficult. And I really enjoyed the, the challenge of that. Um, I remember when you had had uh, Chris Bell on and he was talking about evolving into sports that were individual versus team-based. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's something to that where, you know, I'm always going and always physical and I know I can count on myself to, to do the work that's necessary to do the event. So I could see the appeal in that where it's like, I don't, you know, cause it is frustrating when you have to, it's like, Oh man, I'm ready to go. I've been training. I have to, you know, if you have to organize or people are dropping out, like, well, this sucks. I, you know, so you can only go so far that you can depend on other people to show up and put in the same amount of work. So I could see getting into, you know, something like the Spartan races or, I mean, ice hockey is a, a team sport, obviously, but even just at the, the introductory level where I can just train myself, show up and play and not have to worry about the, the, the other aspect of that. Right. What are some other sports people get into after that you've heard after dodgeball? Um, I, some people say they want to be involved at some point in dodgeball, like maybe coaching, if that's a thing or, um, 
not leaving it 100%. Um, I'm trying to think of like what other people have said. Um, I want to say softball, as we mentioned. Um, golf, yeah, I think. Me, like, yeah, just more individual golf, type stuff. Golf and softball. I know I, I respect the touch of golf and the mental game of golf, but softball and golf to me are when I'm 60 and 70. Um, coaching, I would want to, I'd rather be doing something uh, physical just for the, the the physical nature of it than coaching um so i'd probably say a negative on coaching it would just be i'd want to be doing doing the sport just to get some of the physical benefit from it and just to feed that competitive bug not that you can't compete with coaching but if i could be coaching and getting you know satisfying the competition bug or i could be doing something physical and satisfying the competition bug i'll always go with the physical Trying to think of like, like what else is there? I mean, I mean, I enjoy, um, I mean, but this is kind of, you know, this would be more of the younger guy's sport when you get in, I mean, even basketball. I mean, remember when Tim, Tim and Mikey been playing pickup basketball and they show up to a tournament with a broken wrist or a broken hand or a messed up knee or feet or something. So, I mean, I'd say get into something like that, but those are actually more, they'll beat your body up more than dodgeball. So, yeah, I was thinking, um, God, I I can't, it's at the tip of my, tip of my tongue. Um, not to come to me later. Um, Oh, you know what I want to get into is, uh, is jujitsu, Brazil, Brazilian jujitsu. Um, just because, you know, I, I'd box, I had wrestled in high school and I really enjoyed the, the physical aspect of that. Um, I know it's pretty, it can be pretty rough on your body, especially when you're trusting your partner to not put you in an arm bar, or snap your elbow or something like that. But yeah, especially a beginner. That, yeah, exactly. And I think you, from the guys that I've talked to, you really have to get to the right gym where it's the right culture in the gym where they're interested in, in teaching you how to do this, not, Oh, I want to show this guy what I can do. And then, you know, you don't have a ton of margin for air when they, you know, do something to your joints. So but that would be, those would be the two things that I could see myself, you know, delving into uh, immediately would be ice hockey and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, and I, I definitely, I have the, you know, getting back into the Spartan races on my radar. And that would be in addition to, you know, I still do all the weightlifting and boxing and hit stuff on my own, but just for general fitness. Yeah. I, I think I was thinking uh, half marathons because you said Spartan Race, that, that triggered it again. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's not really, not that's like a sport, but it's something. You something. Can, you, I, you know, I also, I'm a big stickler for, it's like, what, you, well, you know, you look at what your body type is. It's like, what am I meant to do? Or what am I best designed to do? You know, and I'm a, a bigger guy. So it's like me running marathons. It's like, I could do it. But, you know, a 200-pound guy is not meant to, he's not going to do great in marathons. The people that win those things are, you know, 120 pounds. So it's like, you look at your body type, you look at, you know, 
your, your, their speed to strength ratio and your height and your limb length. And it's like, what am I best suited to doing? And, you know, go toward that. So I've done marathons and I've done half marathons and I was respectable in them, but it's also, you know, it's a, that's a lot of pounding on your joints if you're around the 200 pound, you know, marker doing 26 miles. So. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't even think about the, the wear and tear. Yeah. And, um, yeah, for me, it's not even like, not even trying to go for record. Just, I just want to make sure I'm not picked up on the, uh, the, the wagon. <laughs> there is a, right, the, yeah. the less, are those a thing like, or was it just the one I went to? Cause I, I went to, um, this is a while back. We did like a rock and roll marathon in, in San Francisco and they're like legitimately like there is a, there's a wagon that if you are taking too long, they will pick you up. And I was like, I just oh, want to beat that thing. Like <laughs> I, could, I couldn't, I couldn't live with my. Uh... Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I've never seen the wagon. Luckily <laughs> I, I can't attest to if they've had, if they've had those, I would, uh, yeah, that would be when we were referencing the Rocky movie, when it's Rocky from Rocky one, just wanted to finish the fight. Yep. I would say, yeah, just want to not be picked up on the wagon. Exactly. That's a good, that's a good goal. Just, <laughs> yeah. Just, just don't suffer that humiliation and then, and then you're good to go. And that was plenty of motivation for me to keep going. And it was just, uh, they're, they're, they're fun. They're, talk about wear and tear afterwards, but, uh, I remember enjoying myself and kind of low key picturing, okay, what if we're all running from zombies right now? I'd be okay. Like there's, there's a lot of people behind me that are going to be victims. So I'll be all right. You know, marathon, when I was, I had done a, a few marathons and that was interesting training for those because, you know, I would, I take it seriously. I train, I had a pretty good time. I was a little above the three hour mark. So very good, good time. And, uh, you'd be running those things. And I remember thinking about it very, you know, the, the biomechanics and, and just what was possible. And I would be at mile 22 and any number of times someone would be passing me at mile 22 and it would be, um, someone that was in their fifties, someone that was short, someone that was overweight. And I was thinking, I, this isn't possible. How is this person doing this? And, but they were passing me and, and it could have, who knows what it was, but I remember I just, I couldn't process. I was like, I don't know how this is, is happening, but it was happening. And it's like one of those things of maybe they just had a higher pain tolerance than you and they're willing to suffer more than you're willing to suffer. And I remember I just couldn't, it, it just, it, it opened my mind up to a whole new level of not just the physical. I would focus on, okay, this is your limb length and this is your VO2 max. And I would approach it very mechanically, you know, like a trainer, but then getting out there and seeing something like this isn't making sense to me that this person that's older, that's shorter, that has shorter limbs, that's heavier than you is passing you. How is this possible? And it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe they're just tougher. <laughs> yeah. They can endure more pain than you can. But there's nothing stopping you from getting to that level. Maybe if you train and develop that, uh, that I don't want to say that toughness, yeah. but that endurance or that um, your body gets used or your body adapts. I mean, kind of trying not yeah, to get and to it a, it, And it could be like most things. I mean, that could have been so complex. I could have been thinking maybe they're just tougher than you. Maybe that was their 70th marathon and they've so experienced that they knew, you know, it was my third marathon. It's like, 
who knows what could have gone into it, or maybe my nutrition was off and they had just had so much experience that they just had this thing down to a science. It could have been any number of those things, but I just remember that was an eye-opening moment for me that it, it's not always just about the variables that you can that you can obviously see. It's like not the the person that you think is going to win isn't always going to win. That there's a lot in, involved in it. Yeah, I was um, I'm trying to remember like cause first of all, I've I've done halves. I've I've not done full marathons, so not even trying okay. to make it seem like I'm at your level. But um, I mean, there's there's plenty of like elderly people that would pass me wearing like these old canteen pouches and all this high speed gear. I'm like, how the freak are they? Man, okay, so yeah. there, there is something to this, maybe. Um, and I was gonna say earlier, I, I don't want to speak out of my lane, but I mean, do, do you know? I'm assuming you know David Goggins. I brought him up last episode. Oh yeah, yeah. So just you want to talk about like how the body adapts? Like that is uh, pretty good motivation to be like, okay, if I really ease into something, train, build up to it, um, who knows? what else I can do with myself uh, as long as I take care of myself, eat well, sleep, and then continue to stay active. And then, um, you know, don't know what the world outside of dodgeball looks like, but there is something out there for myself as well. And I will find it cause I, I do have to fill that void at some point. I look at my uncles that are, um, you know, 60 years old. Um, my dad mid sixties still plays softball. Um, and it's, it's got the social aspect for them as well. I mean, they, they go out there, have a couple of beers, play softball, and have a good time. And then uh, my grandpa, who's um, 90, I think, stopped playing finally um, a couple of years ago. So, And he, he still golfs to this day. He's not as great as he used to be, but there's still there's always going to be that like that drive for me, I feel. And obviously, it sounds like the same for you. And you know, hopefully, you don't have to find out for for at least a few years, a few years from now. But um still thinking silver sneakers, man. I feel like that's, that's our future. Yeah. (laughs) We'll be out there with Rob Immel. Um, Tim will probably join us later. Maybe get Justin Bosch out there. Yeah. Tim's got to chill a little bit. Bring Alan's dad out there. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) There's gotta be a place for us to land when we're done. Like it's going to be really hard to just completely walk away and not, uh, not not try to you know squeeze out a couple more seasons of of this league and what have you so yeah <laughs> i agree well cool man well i mean we're already what, two two hours into this part two so i think what we can do man is just oh, uh, oh man I know, all right where's it going i uh i don't have an austin deeks joke i completely spaced so um bear with me for one second let me get a, a dad joke because i don't even think we did that last uh last um episode no we didn't had to leave so abruptly um all right so give me like 30 seconds here sure oh wow okay well since we're on the topic of old age um no that's not a good one um i was gonna say the graveyard looks overcrowded people must be dying to get in um that's that's pretty bad um here we go oh i can't believe we haven't I've heard this one before. Um, how do you make a tissue dance? How do you make a tissue dance? Yes. I don't know. You put a little boogie in it. <laughs> oh, good Lord. There you go. There you go. 
Austin, it's I'm not button. trying to. That's the button, Steve. That's the button on the on the podcast. Yep. Um, last year was pizza versus tacos. This year, dad jokes. Next year, who knows? But um, not trying to take your job, Austin. Just got sidetracked. Um, definitely hit you up for the next one. But um, yeah, I think we'll do, man. We'll go ahead and, and, and call it. So we'll go ahead and end the interview there. All right, so that was part two of my interview with Edgar Fox, and I don't even know if that was like actually an interview. That felt more like like a conversation, and um, that's kind of where I want to go with um, the interview process of the podcast, especially for people that I've had on in the past already. Kind of, kind of dabbled with it a little bit with the check-in episode with Alan. I know I try to have like this, um, try not to have somebody that hasn't been on before approach, um, but at some point I, I do like to just converse um I'm, I'm realizing more and more as i progress through this season and the seasons past that um sometimes the conversation goes where it wants and i really do um respect and honor that and um ultimately i guess it's up to the, the listeners also i mean if you guys enjoyed that i'm more than happy to try to have less of a structured approach um yes it is the dodgeball podcast yes we should stick with dodgeball themes and elements but um I mean, Edgar had a good point. We're not playing dodgeball right now, so what else is there to talk about? But um, anyway, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we got some more episodes um, planned for the rest of the year to include another hypothetical tournament, maybe two. But um, pending that and a couple more interviews, uh, we'll be closing 2020 fairly soon and putting it very, very, very far behind us. Uh, but anyway, if you're still listening, thank you so much for doing so. As always, have a great rest of your evening. A great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. This is where I lie. These are where my thoughts are. I've been I've been very mentally scattered the last uh, year or so with um, this new job and and focusing just so much on on work and being another cog in the wheel that sometimes it's, i forgot what's like to actually like uh, for lack of better words like exercise the intellectual aspect of my brain i feel like it needs some <laughs> needs some reps um at some point we gotta actually start the podcast though um i think we're like an hour and a half <laughs> in and like show us yeah okay, let's do it